Hi, this is Jenna Glatzer, and you're listening to the Celine Dion Podcast. The world's only podcast show dedicated to the best-selling female artist of all time. Hi, this is Celine Dion. It's the Celine Dion Podcast. So live. Let's go. Hello, bonjour, and a very warm welcome to a brand new episode of the Celine Dion Podcast. My name's Sean. This is the show for May 2021, and it's another crazy busy show for you this month. So much coming up for you. We'll run through that in a second. But first of all, as I always like to start the shows, I want to say a big thank you to you guys for continuing to listen to the Celine Dion podcast. You are the reason we keep making the shows, so thank you so much. A huge thanks also to everyone who continues to interact with us over on social media. Thanks for all your follows and likes over on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Don't forget, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us, CelineDionPodcast at gmail.com. We always love hearing from you. So what is coming up on the show this month then? Well, it's a busy show. Let me first of all start by telling you we are so excited to have a special guest on the show this month. It's the brilliant Jenna Glatzer. She is the author of the official Celine Dion biography, Celine Dion for Keeps, that was released back in 2005. I sat down with Jenna during the week and we had a brilliant chat. Find out how Jenna got the job. How was she chosen to write the book? What happened when she first met Celine? How do Celine and Renee deal with criticism? Does Celine have any regrets in her career? Just what did Celine and Renee think of the short blonde hair? And is Celine really as down to earth as she seems? We covered all of that and a whole lot more in a brilliant interview that's coming up later in the show. Also on this month's show, hear about the latest tour postponements for several European dates of the Courage World Tour. We've also got news on a significant milestone that the Ashes video hit this month. Also hear about a brand new advert that Celine is featured in for Resorts World in Las Vegas. Also news on the Spanish version of All By Myself, the behind the scenes video for It's All Coming Back To Me Now hear from Celine as she tells us all about an honorary doctorate she received on the 8th of May and we'll also hear Celine's comments on the sad passing of Jim Steinman. A hugely busy show this month, it really really is and we're going to start with a song that Jenna Glatzer has actually picked for us. You'll hear later on it's one of her favourite Celine tracks so we're going to kick off the show this month with this. It's a brilliant performance of the brilliant track To Love You More. Right. 
the brilliant To Love You More live there at Juno Awards back in 1997. That is one of Jenna Glatzer's favourite Celine tracks and I'm not going to keep you waiting any longer on this interview. Let's get straight into it, shall we? I'm so grateful to Jenna for coming on to the show and spending almost an hour with me uh, chatting through her experience of working with Celine and you're going to hear about it now. So grab a tea, grab a coffee, grab a drink of your choice, sit back, relax and enjoy this brilliant chat with Jenna Glatzer, author of Celine Dion for Keeps. So delighted to be joined on the podcast this month by uh, author of the authorised Celine Dion biography, Celine Dion for Keeps. Welcome to the Celine Dion podcast, Jenna Glatzer. Thank you so much. Great to be here. So I like to say thank you so much for agreeing to come on to the show, Jenna. It's, it's great to, to have you on. Um, to get started, I wonder if you would mind take me back to the start for you. How did it all begin in terms of you becoming an author? Tell me a little bit about your career. I read on your website originally you were a stage actress. I was, yep. So that was always my goal. Um, starting when I was very young, my father was a director and I did a lot, a lot of acting. And um, straight out of college, I got a, a great acting job. I was working at a children's theater. I loved it. But I developed a panic disorder. And um, I became agoraphobic for four years. So I don't know if, if you know what agoraphobia is. But basically, I was housebound, um, panic attacks constantly. So obviously, that put an end to that side of my career. And um, I had to figure out a way to make a living from home during that time. And I knew that I was a good writer. It was something that my English teachers in school had always encouraged. And I thought, well, I'll give this a try. Um, I never expected to end up in the type of writing that I wound up doing. I thought I was going to do, you know, fiction and poetry and screenplays and things like that. Didn't really look at um, nonfiction writing for a few years. But once I did, I loved it. It was something that that was just quite unexpected for me. But the type of work that I wound up doing, which is biographies and memoirs and ghostwriting, wound up being just such a wonderful fit for me because I love people. I love talking to people. I love really getting to know people on a very deep level. And this enabled me to, to get to do that. Yeah, well, you mentioned the various kind of styles, if that's the right word to use, of writing that you, you've been involved in throughout your career, you know, such as you, uh, written books for adults, children, you mentioned ghostwriting too. You know, is there a particular style you enjoy more than the others? Is the process different if you're writing for a different genre? Sure. Yeah, it is. Um, I lo- The two that I love the most are memoirs or biographies. You know, I, I place them kind of in the same category, but memoirs and biographies, and I also love doing children's writing. Um, if I'm doing, you know, nonfiction, other types of books, like how-to books and health books and things like that, um, it is a different process. It's just much more factual. You don't necessarily have the personal um, conversations with people that you do otherwise, which, you know, I enjoy doing those too. Uh, I've I've never written a book that I didn't enjoy in the end, but I really yeah. do just love getting to know people and getting to ask nosy questions, which I don't normally do in regular life. I'm not the kind of person who's going to come up to you and say, so I heard that, like, you know, you, you had this medical procedure. Tell me all about it. Or, I heard, you know, I heard yeah, about, sure. tell me all about your first boyfriend or whatever. I don't I don't get to ask those questions in, in normal life. So I love the fact that it enables me. Um, to ask the kinds of questions that may be on my mind or other people's minds that you wouldn't normally, you know, dig so deep. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And that, it goes 
I had a look at the variety of books that you've written, not just the genres, but clearly the Celine Dion book. Also, you've written about Marilyn Monroe. We mentioned the children's books, and there's one even about exploring the moon. I mean, it's such a wide range that you cover. Yeah, yeah I enjoy it. It's always something different, you know, and some of these are books that I've proposed, but a lot of them are books that a publisher has come to me with the idea and said, can you write this? And I enjoy that so much too, just because it's something where I get to learn about a new subject that I probably haven't thought much about. So I've always enjoyed learning. You know, it's something where for my, for the rest of my life, I get to learn about all kinds of interesting subjects and, and uh, help bring them to people. And so I love that. Yeah. It keeps life interesting, I guess. Yeah. So that, that kind of brings us then to the book that of course, here on the podcast, we are most interested in Celine Dion for Keeps, yes, published sure. in 2005. How has it been 16 years already, by the way? I don't um, know. It's crazy. <laughs> tough. crazy. Uh, so can you take, take me back to the start? Of how does the project like this come about? You know, had you been a fan of Celine previously? I'd imagine you were aware of her. I was. Yeah, um, sure. did, did you approach her? Did you approach Renee? How, how did it all come about? It is the craziest story. Okay, so here's what happened. I, have, I was in the beginning of my career then, really, you know, in, in um, the early 2000s. I was sending out resumes um, to different publishers just to let them know that I was available for work if they had anything that they were open to. So I had sent a resume and some writing samples to this publisher two years prior to when I got the call for Celine's book. And um, they did tell me, we'll keep you on file at the time. But I hadn't heard a word from them in two years. I wasn't really thinking about it. So... 2004 comes along and I was on my honeymoon. I was leaving for my honeymoon. Uh, I'm now divorced, by the way, so in case that confused people, but I was married. Um, so back in 2004, I was leaving on my honeymoon and I remember thinking to myself about setting up an autoresponder, which was kind of still a new thing back then, I guess. But I had heard, you're not really supposed to do that because then burglars might read your autoresponder and realize that you're not home. So I did not set up an autoresponder and I decided I'm on my honeymoon. I'm not checking email for 10 days or something. I did not look at email. I get home and I find out that the day I left on my honeymoon, the publisher wrote to me and said, would you like to write Celine Dion's book? This is now 10 days later. <laughs> I screamed. I said, oh my God, they they didn't even, you know, I had no idea for 10 days now. I had no idea that this offer was on the table. I write back to the editor immediately. I said, oh my gosh, I was on my honeymoon. I'm so sorry I ignored your email. Absolutely, I want to write Celine Dion's book. Of course I do. She writes back to me and said, sorry, we didn't hear from you for so long that we assumed you weren't interested and we assigned it to someone else. And I was oh, devastated, man. completely devastated. And I'm pacing around the house going, I will never not set up an autoresponder again. I'm never leaving this house again because you know, it was just wow. horrible. A couple of months later, she called me back and she said to me, the writer that we chose um, is in the hospital, has some kind of a health condition. I don't remember what it was now. I think she, she had a heart problem or something and she was unable to travel. And so she was unable to finish the book. And I felt horrible for her because what an opportunity to lose. But at the same time, it was coming back to me. And I was very grateful for that side of things, too, of course. Yeah. So they said, you know, we, now we're a little bit behind schedule. Can you jump on a plane like immediately and get started on this book? And I said, of course, yes. You know, I was thrilled to that it came back around like that. But then I completely panicked. So the night before I'm about to get on a plane, 
Now, keep in mind, I had this panic disorder, right? I had this terrible anxiety disorder that I was just getting past at this point of my life. Um, I had not been on an airplane, you know, in many, many years. I hadn't done crowds. I hadn't, um, I was really just taking steps back into the world again. And I was, you know, I was on medication for the anxiety disorder. Um, but this was a, a huge deal for me. And I knew that in order to write this book, I was going to have to fly across the country and be in a crowded situation and obviously face one of the most famous women in, in the world. And there's this yeah. pressure in that alone, you know, just how am I going to not have a panic attack in front of this amazing woman? Um, mm -hmm. So I was up the entire night before I got on that plane, just crying and saying, I got to, why did I do this? I have to quit. There's no way I can't handle this. Somehow I got myself on that plane. And I did okay. You know, I didn't have panic attacks on the plane. And my life changed entirely the moment that I met her. She was so maternal and reassuring and easy to be around. And I never had a panic attack. I didn't, I didn't have, you know, once, once I was there in her presence, it was a, a completely different feeling. It was nothing like what I was anticipating. Um, we got along so beautifully just from the start. You know, we just really had a wonderful rapport with one another. She was just warm and wonderful. And that was it. You know, I, I, it, it changed me in so many ways because it was something that I had never even imagined I would get to do again. When I was at the, you know, in the, in the thick of my panic disorder, I could never have pictured doing something like that. Um, yes. And so it was just, you know, it was career changing, life changing, emotional change. It was everything. You know, there was just it was a, just a highlight of my life in so many ways. Incredible. And after the event, Celine has said about you, never in my life have I wanted a journalist, a writer to talk to me again. It's hard for me to open up and trust. This is the first time I call to say I want to see her, ask her if she wants to see me again. That's yeah. got to feel good, right? It was amazing. So I was only supposed to take one trip. You know, that's what the publisher had had budgeted for, basically, was that I was going to go there once, uh, meet with her a few days. You know, I, I was meeting with her after her shows in the dressing room uh, for, I think, four or five days is, is what they had allotted for me. And then the rest of it was going to be based on interviews with Renee and interviews with, you know, her team, her, her band and, yeah. and everybody. And so when I was about to leave, she said, when are you coming back? And I was like, I don't know. This is, you know, this is it. They told me that I get one trip, um, mostly because of her schedule. You know, she's a very busy woman, obviously. And uh, so they said that, that that's all I was getting. And she said, no, 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 you have to come back. You know, I, I want to see you again. And I said, well, if you tell them that you want to see me again, I'm betting <laughs> yeah, they will allow me to come back and see you again. So I did. I came back and we had a fantastic time again. We just, you know, we were like hanging out all night. It was amazing. We would basically shut down the place um you know we, it would be the two of us until the middle of the night and she'd send home the rest of the staff and she'd have you know one or two security guards would stick around but everybody else would leave and we would just you know sit there on the floor eating cookies and talking and it was wild you know it was just what a life-changing experience and what a what a you know i had this this was something i wanted to say to you too is that prior to going there I had a friend who had done some celebrity books. I had never done a big celebrity before this. And um, she sort of warned me about the whole process of working with celebrities. And she said to me, you know, you're very nice, Jenna. You're very sensitive and sweet. And I don't know if you're cut out for celebrity work because celebrities are jerks. <laughs> you know, they're all, they're going to show up late. They're not going to remember your name. They're going to have all kinds of questions that are off limits. They're 
you know, they're just, they, they're all full of themselves and they're all going to, you know, treat you badly, basically. And so I remember, you know, keeping that in mind before I left on this trip. And I said, well, I'm not going to turn it down, but thank you. I'll, I'll go in there with the understanding that probably she's not going to be as sweet as she appears on TV. And probably there's going to be, you know, don't look at her and, and whatever limits on what I was allowed to do and not do. And it was just so opposite of that. I said, she spoiled me forever because this was just like, she just felt like a really good friend from the start. And there were no limits. You know, there was nothing that, that was, um, she never acted like she was the most important person in the room, you know, regardless of who was in that room, she was just one of us. And that was such a different experience from what I was expecting. And that's something that's kind of stuck with throughout her career in terms of people say that about her. So that is how she is. It's She's not acting. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. Like you see her on TV and she comes across very super sweet. And I thought, come on, nobody's really that sweet. That's got to be fake or that's got to be, you know, she's putting that on for the cameras or she's putting it on for mm-hmm. when she does a performance. But no, what you see is completely what she's like all the time. You know, she is just. What a wonderful, down-to-earth, humble, funny person she is. You know, she just doesn't put on airs. And somehow, and that was something that Renee said to me, too. I remember, you know, him saying, I don't know how she's gotten this far in life and basically not gotten jaded by all of this. Like, how how this doesn't go to her head, I don't know. Because if you're, I mean, I can only put myself in those shoes. And I think if, if I was getting the kind of love and the kind of, you know, fame and money and all that that she has... I think it would go to my head. You know, I don't I don't think I would be as as humble and amazing as she is. She obviously, when I say humble, she knows she's a wonderful singer. Obviously, it's not I'm not saying she's sitting here saying, Oh, I'm no I'm no good or anything. But just as a human being, as a person, um, you know, she just doesn't put herself above anybody else on a personal level. And yeah. I find that amazing. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I was very lucky to meet her before a show in London in 2017. And everything that you described about anxiety and, you know, worry, all these things that I was experiencing. And the second she came in the room, it's like she put everyone at ease. She just calmed me down. You know, it just, I totally agree with everything you've said based on like a five minute experience with her. So never mind, you know, having days upon end with her like like you did. It must have just been terrible. So, thinking about the book again, the book really is a comprehensive account of Celine's life and career, clear up until 2005, clearly. Um, can you give us an insight? How did you go about research then? How, how much, you mentioned the time you spent with Celine and Renee. You know, how often would you speak to Renee? How often would you speak to the kind of wider circle of people she works with? What kind of went into it in terms of research for you? Sure. So before I met her, um, I only had a few weeks to prepare for this because it was a a quick schedule. So in those few weeks, I was just reading everything I could get my hands on and I was watching interviews of her and, um, you know, anything that I that I could find that was past interviews and whatnot. Um, And then I went on the fan forums and that was the other major thing for me is that I wanted to know what do the fans want to know? I I don't know why other biographers don't just automatically do that because to me, Mm -hmm. I want to care about who's going to read this book and who's going to read this book are the true fans. So I went on these fan groups and I said, tell me what you guys want to know. And it was so, so much fun um, because it was like, the fans were so excited that I was actually asking what they wanted to know. And I got very involved with, with a lot of the fan groups and many of the people that I met back then, 2004 are still good friends of mine now. 
Um, but anyway, that was part of my research was just figuring out what do we not know yet about her that we want to know about her. And um, so then when I got there, I did, I, I was planning on just asking everything I could possibly ask in that first trip. And then when I got to come back a second and third, and I think a fourth time, I think I wound up doing four trips in total um, at that time because mm-hmm. she just kept calling me back, which was just amazing. <laughs> so uh, and those are like bonus bonus questions. By the end, they, her um, one of her managers called me up and he said to me, you know, she's interested in seeing you again. Do you need more? And I said, honestly, I don't need more for the book. But if she wants me to come back, I will 100% be there. Yeah, I will find I more questions way. to ask. You know, I will, I will figure out some more stuff to ask her. Um, but we couldn't squish it all in there because the problem was, of course, that we're trying to fit in pictures and memorabilia. So it wasn't like a full, full length book um, because yeah. since we're also trying to get all these other things. And so I was trying. I So in the end, they had to make the font really small because I wrote more than I was supposed to because okay. I couldn't cut. That. You know, there was so much I, I didn't want to cut a lot of what she was saying because it was all just interesting and there was a lot of new new yeah. stuff there for the fans so i remember having that call with the editor and saying listen um i kind of went pretty far over the word count that i was supposed to go to and if you need me to cut it down i'll figure it out but i kind of think it should all be in there <laughs> so she said well let's see how small we can make this font so i apologize to everybody whose eyes aren't so great that you have to wear glasses when you look at this book, but that's why we just wanted to, you know, squish in it's all these interviews. It. It's still yeah, worth right. It. <laughs> <laughs> what, what makes what makes for keeps particularly unique is the mementos and the memorabilia you mentioned featured in it, such as you know yeah. Celine's school report, her past, Renee Charles' ultrasound, even a letter from Muhammad Ali. How? does that happen? Who chooses what goes in the books? Did, did you request certain things to go in or were they volunteered from Celine's team? It was mostly that we wrote the book first. There were a few things that we knew we were going to include um, up front and then I sort of wrote some stories around that. But most of it was the reverse where I wrote the text and then they figured out what are we, what can we use to go along with that? So, you know, if she told... Okay whatever particular stories she told, we would find pictures and memorabilia that would go with those stories. So that's how it mostly was. I think in the beginning they had probably, you know, 12 or so pieces of memorabilia that they knew that they wanted to include. And then the rest of it went along with the stories. Okay. That makes sense. And, you know, in addition to that, you mentioned yourself as well, you had to, you know, get so many pictures and so on in the book. And it has so many special moments and important moments from Celine's career in the book, such as pictures from, you know, her first appearance on The Tonight Show, you know, really intimate family moments with her niece, Kareen, you know, even pictures of her in the trunk of a car, <laughs> you know, she led, she's led such an interesting life, Jenna, such a full life that it must have been so difficult to decide what to include and what not to include. Yes, yes. And that's why, you know, we talk about doing a second book, but boy, I hope we get to do a second book because there were, you know, there was so much more that we could have included at the time. Mm. Um, and obviously now, all these years later, there's tons more. But yeah, the, the one in the trunk, that came out of a story with uh, Dave Platel. I had interviewed him, and he was telling me this story about her being in the trunk of the car. And it just so happened they had this picture that went along with that. So there were many things like that where, you know, we we tell a story and they just happen to say, oh, wait, we have a picture of that. Perfect. Okay, stick that one in there. Um, and the yeah. one that I, that I was saying that I loved was... In her dressing room, she had a picture that uh, Renee Charles had done of, of her with the face paint 
on. And I said, oh, that's perfect, because that goes along with the very first story that I want to tell in this book, which is that that's how I met her. I don't think it, no, it's not how I met her the first time. The second trip, I think, when I went there, she was in this face paint. And I said, what on earth is going on here? I just go, oh, sorry, yeah, that's Renee Charles. He likes to do my makeup before I leave. And, you know, he thinks that he's making me up for my show. And I thought that was hilarious. And she did have a picture in her dressing room of her face like that. I said, oh, can we please use that? Yes, we can. So, you know, there was a lot of that. And we went through an album or two together um, in her dressing room and just sort of looked through things. And I would point it out, how about about this? Can we use that? But um, those weren't entirely my decisions. You know, a lot of those decisions about the the visuals uh, came from Mm -hmm. her team and from the publisher. Okay. And, you know, was there anything off limits when you were putting the book together? I mean, I don't expect, if there was, I don't expect you obviously to share, but were you giving, like, please talk about this kind of thing? Well, I'll tell you what it was. The only thing that they told me when I first got there on the first day, they said to me, can you please just make sure that she cuts off? I think, I don't remember what curfew they were giving me, but like 1 a.m., I think. So they said, just please, at 1 a.m., just stop because, you know, she's very polite and she'll probably keep talking, but she needs to get her sleep. So please make her stop talking at one o'clock. And if you need more tomorrow, you can come back tomorrow. And so there was that kind of rule. And so sure enough, one o'clock comes and I said to her, okay, Celine, we really need to cut off. And she's like, no, no, let's keep talking. And I said, well, I can't believe that I'm cutting you off, but I have to cut you off because they told me to. And so that only happened once. And then after that point, I think she talked to them and said, oh, just leave us alone. We're having a good time. And so that never happened again. There were no more rules after the first day. Um, But yeah, there were really no, the only, the the one thing that she didn't want to say was the LV thing that she had with Renee. She said, I don't really want to talk about like what that stands for. She said, it doesn't stand for Las Vegas. Everyone thinks it's Las Vegas, but it's not that. Um, but that's just, you know, a personal thing between us. So that was literally the only thing that I can remember that she ever, you know, didn't want to answer. Aside from that, she yeah. was so open. She was such an open book that I, you know, it was unexpected to me because I figured she would have more rehearsed answers and more uh, more guard up. But she mm-hmm. really didn't. You know, everything that came out of her mouth was just very spontaneous. And, and she didn't ever say to me, oh, I don't want this part in the book, you know, so... It was great. And what, what that's like a dream situation for, for you, I guess. Completely. Yeah. And so take me back to, you know, the nights in the dressing room. You know, you, you, I've read previously, you've mentioned it today, that you've spent hours, you know, on the floor of Celine's dressing room, eating, talking, having fun. Yeah. That is like winning, that would be like winning the lottery for a fan. Completely. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. Yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. And I can't, you know, I always say I'm never going to top this. <laughs> That's tough to have peaked so early in my career. But honestly, <laughs> she's just the nicest. She's so much fun. She's so nice that I, it's very hard for me to imagine another celebrity being the way that she was with me. Um, you know, we had a great time. She would break out in Queen songs and, um, you know, people were kind of coming in and out from her team. And they're all very down to earth, too. That's the other really nice part is that, you know, these are mostly people that that she knew from back in Canada from before she was ever a huge star that have traveled the world with her and um you know they they were not what you would expect necessarily they weren't like hollywood types themselves a lot of them are just regular people you know who got taken along on this crazy ride with her 
And they were really fun to talk to also. And they would come in and peek their heads in and she'd say, oh, come on in and, you know, come talk with us for a few minutes. And, and, you know, we'd have sing-alongs and it was just, it was just wild. It was so much fun. Such great memories. Um, one of the interesting parts for me in the book is when you write about how Celine and Renee deal with criticism and backlash. Yes. They both seem to happen in, in quite different ways. Completely opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So I had asked her, that was one of the first things I asked her about. I said, how do you deal with criticism? And she was like, I don't read it. She straight up, you know, nope, I don't, I don't look, I don't need to. It's fine whatever people think they can think. And then she said it, but Renee reads it all and he takes it to heart and he does, you know, it was, it was a very different, um, yeah, he was the more sensitive one to that type of thing, certainly. And he cared more about like what his buddies thought too. Like he was talking about his gambling friends that um, he was so excited that they loved her show. You know, he, it meant so much to him to know that these men um, came to see her concert and, and really had a great time and enjoyed themselves. And I cracked up at even just thinking about that. Like, why does he even care? You know, everybody loves Celine. Come on, she's huge. Who cares whether these particular five men, you know, mm. were, were swept away by the show or not? But yeah, yeah he, he took it all very personally. You know, even, even after she's this enormous star, he still cared what each individual person thought. Absolutely. I also remember watching, I think it was on the A New Day DVD, uh, one of the behind the scenes, that Renee was interviewed and he was he said that when she cut her hair really short and, and dyed it blonde at the start of Las Vegas, he mm -hmm. would he wishes that the manager in him had told Celine, I don't think you should do that. But the husband in him allowed her to do it because obviously he loves her and she's yeah. his wife. And that kind of touched me, you know, it kind of linked into what I'd read in the book that, you know, I think it's fair to say the feedback for Celine's look at that point wasn't kind of universally acclaimed. She, right. It was yeah. mixed it was mixed opinions sure. and you know that 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 kind of stuck with Rooney so much so that all those years later he mentioned it on the DVD I found that quite interesting mm -hmm. just to, that just, was actually a big deal to both of them yeah that was a big deal because she wanted the freedom and that's something I think I'm, I'm glad to see now she had talked about her image and, and about how, you know, she had a very innocent, pure image all the time. She basically grew up before people's eyes. So she started as, as a 12-year-old girl. And mm. people sort of had a hard time seeing beyond that, I think, where you know she dressed pretty conservatively and, yeah. you know, wore her hair long and feminine. And, um, you know, she, she had one style and she wasn't really allowed to deviate from that very much. And so she did get a huge backlash when she cut her yeah. hair. And yeah. it was frustrating to her. She's like, I just wanted to try it. It's not forever. I just wanted to see how see how it would feel to be a blonde and see how you know. And she didn't. She knew after that. Okay, I can't. I got to go back to the way it was because people are freaking out. But I like seeing lately. She's had this sort of evolution where she is sexier now. She's got a sexier image, which is funny because you know now she's in her fifties and now she's sexier. You know, but she is. Yeah. It's a more. She's freer, I think, now um, with her fashion choices and even just the way that she carries herself. Um, you know, she's yeah. never obscene. She's never going to be somebody who you're looking at like, oh, God, she's pushed it too far now. But I like the fact that she's allowing herself to experiment again and to, you know, try out different looks that maybe aren't what she would have expected from her in the beginning. Yeah, no, absolutely. Completely agree. Uh, another thing I wanted to touch upon, Jenna, was, um, you know, being based in the UK as we are, I really found the story of Think Twice uh, very interesting. 
you, you mentioned how Dave Platel called Renee during he and Celine's honeymoon, essentially saying, look, you, you kind yeah. of have to the UK, the song's taking off. That kind of just sums up Celine, doesn't it? She, she it abandons does. her honeymoon and goes to record Top of the Pops. Yeah. She is very serious about her work. You know, it's not just a matter of um, wanting to be number one or whatever. She wants to do right by everybody. So when she shows up, and this is something I heard over and over again from producers and songwriters, and, you know, they all talk about how respectful she is of them. And that, um, and, I, and I'll tell you a story about that in a minute, too, with, with myself. But she, when I was saying, like, she doesn't act like she's the most important person in a room, I mean that because even to this day, you know, she still feels like she's trying to be respectful of everybody's time. She wants to be prepared. She wants to show up and do a great job. She wants to do whatever is required of her um, on a professional level. So there's very little that she'll, she's not a diva. You know, she, she doesn't say to people, oh, no, I'm too good for this, or I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to show up and you're going to teach it to me. I'm not going to bother learning it on my own beforehand, you know, <laughs> which yeah. a lot of stars do. You know, a lot of stars won't, won't give that level of respect to people, but she yeah. always does. And uh, so the story I was going to tell you about me. So the second time that I went there, I get there, I'm in her dressing room. She comes out immediately, which she always did. You know, I'd get backstage and within just a few minutes, she was right there. She came over and she says to me, do you mind if I take a quick shower? I'm just sort of sweaty from the show. I'm a little overheated. Would you mind if I just take a quick shower? I was like, you are Celine Dion. You do whatever you want and I will be right here. (laughs) No problem. And so I'm, I'm sitting down and I'm, you know, just getting my notebook ready and whatever. She's back in like 10 minutes with a towel on her head and a robe on. And I'm like, Celine, you can get dressed. You can, you, you can dry your hair. I will be here. I'm like, you don't have to worry about me. No, no, no. You know, she, she wanted to be respectful of my time. So she was just rushing herself out to, you know, hurry up and get back to me. And I said, this is the kind of person she is. It's amazing to me that she's got this, you know, 20 something year old woman, who, who is not, I'm nobody famous. I'm nobody, you know, and she didn't need to treat me like that. She didn't need to, you know, rush right out to come see me as if I was going to write something bad about her if she didn't, you know, it's just, yeah. it was just respect, you know, all around, always just so respectful. And there are, I think we need to touch upon, there are a fair amount of emotional moments described in the book, you know, from Renee's yeah. initial cancer scare through to happy moments, such as the birth of Renee Charles. You know, what for you, is ultimately the person who's going to be writing about this to include it in the book. What is it like talking to Celine about those moments? And, you know, particularly, you know, for example, Renee's cancer scare, that, that can't be easy. Yeah, no, not easy at all. Not easy at all. There were, yeah, there were a lot of emotional moments that are tough to poke at, um, especially because she is such a deeply feeling person. And everybody's seen that of her. You know, you know that she cries pretty easily and she <laughs> she feels things very deeply. Um, which again is not an act, you know, that's, that's how she was with me all the time. And the first time that it happened, I remember feeling like, what do I do? Because, um, I had asked her about fame. I was basically asking her about the pressures of fame and how does she feel about, uh, you know, knowing, does she have any regrets? Actually, that was the, that was the question that sort of set her off. I said, do you have any regrets about your career, your life, anything? And she started to cry. And this was the first time that I was meeting her and I wasn't like, super close friends with her at this point so I didn't I'm like am I allowed to hug her should I touch her like what do I do you know and mm. um, so I finally did I kind of just came over and gave her a hug and I was like oh, tell me what's going on what are you thinking about and you know she said well I don't want to say that I have regrets because I have this wonderful life you know I have 
everything that I could ever ask for. And it would sound very spoiled if I say that I have regrets. But there are things that you give up when you become this famous. You know, when you do give up your privacy, you give up a lot of personal things that you can no longer have a birthday par- party for your child at Chuck E. Cheese. And you can no longer just go out to the grocery store, you know, with your hair in a bun and, and looking messy. And, you know, there's going to be paparazzi everywhere. There's going to be fans. There's going to be, you're going to need security guards. People have to shut down stores for you to, to go shopping and um, things like that. So we were talking about just sort of the pressures of fame and things that I hadn't really seen on a human level before. You know, there were things that I had sort of thought about in passing that, yeah, yeah, these kinds of things would be tough to be famous. But on the other hand, it's hard to feel bad for famous people. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. something where you th- feel like, oh, sure, they have these charmed lives. So, okay, big deal that they have to give up a few things. But seeing it up close and hearing it from her and hearing the anguish about like just wanting to be a regular person sometimes yeah. changed something in me. You know, it made me realize like when I want, when I was an actress, I wanted to be a famous actress, you know, living Celine's kind of life. That was my dream. And hearing her talk about it made me realize, boy, I am in exactly the right place in my life because I love what I do. And I get to be around some famous people and I get to, you know, see what, what it's all like. That's fun. But at the end of the day, nobody's following me home. Nobody is talking about, oh, she probably had another miscarriage and, you know, analyzing my body and analyzing, you know, did I have plastic surgery and did my husband cheat on me and did I, you know, whatever, like all the things that people love to dig up, you know, it's cruel. There's so much cruelty involved where people think that they're entitled to every piece of a celebrity's life just because they chose to share one part, you know, so she chose to share singing. That doesn't mean her entire life is up for analysis, or at least it shouldn't mean that her entire life is up for analysis all day, every day. So that's the tough part. And that was, you know, something that we got into pretty deeply. And um, yeah, it was very human. Yeah, I mean, I think you summed up absolutely perfectly there. I mean, yeah, you're famous. Yeah, you have fans. But there's a line. There is a line that people need to respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, she respects the fact that people, she, she, you know, she was saying to me that you can't expect people to go out and buy your records and whatever, and then not have any part of your life. So she, it's not that she wanted to, you know, hide her whole life away either, but there does have to be a line. There is a balance between, you know, at that point when I was um, working with her, Renee Charles was just, I think, I I don't remember now exactly two or three years old, maybe, you know, he was young and he was um, kind of traumatized by all the attention. He really did not like it when all these people were coming up to his mom and, um, it would scare him. And so that also made me see things in a different way that, you know, this is just a regular kid. He didn't choose this life. Mm-hmm. And so that was tough for her to, um, you know, want him to have a normal life and realizing that the, because of the life she chose, he's not going to have a real normal life. So it was during yeah. a, you know, a transition period, I think, for her. At the Billboard Awards a few years back, it kind of was a full circle moment him you know presenting the icon award to Celine from what you've just described as a kind of shy almost yeah yeah it's been beautiful to see him grow up and see that you know obviously he has gotten more comfortable with the spotlight uh himself so yeah it's it was definitely a full circle moment yeah so like we said earlier on incredibly it's been 16 years since the book was published how how did that happen 
And if you were to write it today for the first time, what would you want to talk about given what's happened since 2005? Ooh, there's so much more I want to talk about. Um, yeah, you know, she's done, I think, six albums since then. And obviously I want to hear about what it was like to go, go back on tour again. Um, she had been in one spot for so long and hadn't been, you know, doing the big shows um, internationally. And, and uh, there's just, you know, she had a lot happen in her career since that point. She hit number one on the charts again. And I'd love to hear her feelings on that because she was talking at, at that point about how she's like, well, you know, I've kind of done that already. I've done the the big hits. And so now I'd like to be able to do music that is just what I want to do, not just what I think is going to hit number one. So she was talking about wanting to do more jazz and wanting to do more rock and, you know, take more risks, basically, musically, um, to go a little bit beyond the the box that she'd sort of painted herself into. And she did that and she still hit number one. And so I loved that. I love the fact that, you know, she was feeling like, all right, so this will be a little smaller now and I won't, you know, won't be huge huge hits anymore but i'll do just things that i enjoy and so i thought it was really cool that she got to do the things she enjoyed and it was still you know critically acclaimed and still did so well so i'd love to hear about that and her feelings on what else she wants to do now and are there still any other goals obviously acting is is still um one of her main goals but are there other things that she feels like she hasn't done yet that she wants to do still um, and obviously, you know, the, the losses in her life were huge. And it was it's hard for me to picture her without Renee because he was not necessarily always in the room physically with us when I was doing all these interviews, but he was always there. You know, he was a very large part of every visit that I went, um, that, that he was always either in the audience or he was backstage or he was just his presence was always, always there. And she amazed me with the idea that this is the only man she had ever loved. So my heart just went out to her so, so very much, um, you know, as he was getting sicker and and it was becoming clearer that the time was coming. And I thought, oh, I hope that she's not just lost, you know. And I think she was lost for a while. I think that, you know, the fans saw her lost they saw her crying on stage Mm -hmm. they saw her you know not at her best musically certainly for a while there um but she did get stronger and she came around and she seemed to lean on some people who i didn't know at the time you know some some celebrity friends and some new people on her team and i'd love to hear about that process of who was there for her and how she found the strength to keep going um, what it felt like to be completely in charge of her career without him to ask questions of and without him to sort of lead a lot of these conversations. Um, and just, you know, how she re- redefined herself as now the sole leader of her career. Um, you know, did she feel things differently? And, and um, yeah, just how it feels now to to be the number one. Um and how it feels to have kids who are growing up and to have one who's, you know, basically an, a young adult now. Uh, yeah. So just so much that I'd love to know about. And, you know, are there any plans then for a sequel? Would, would you be, I'm assuming you'd be very interested in doing one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's something that, you know, we've talked about for a couple of years now already that uh, she's interested, I'm interested. It's hopefully just a matter of timing. And so we'll see, you know, it's, it's something we've batted around for a while. And I keep saying, how about now? How about now? And so 
I was very hopeful that at the beginning of the pandemic, I said, well, you know what? She's got to sit down now because, you know, before I was like, well, she's on world tour now and now she's got all these other things. So I was hopeful. But then they said, no, now she's like decided, OK, this is the perfect time to take a real break and do nothing that's work related and just be with her family. So there's that. Um, but, yeah, I'm very hopeful that we'll get to do something again. I would absolutely love to uh, to do a part well, two. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say the fans would love that as well. I remember your interaction with fans on uh, Celine Dion community forum back in the day and a lot of yeah. fan interaction that, that you had. Just one one final question. Um, what of your future, Jenna? What does the future hold for you? Ooh, good question. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's a different adventure all the time. So I am writing a bunch of books right now. Um, you know, I, I love doing memoirs. I love doing biographies. That's mostly what I what I aim to do. And um, yeah, all different kinds of stories. It's it's not all famous people. It's a lot of people who just have interesting lives, interesting things that have happened to them or something that they want to share with the world. So I, I enjoy it very much. That's kind of the direction I think I'll keep going. And eventually I'll write my own story. Uh, I do have a, a story of my own, um, but it's not ready yet. I don't have the ending yet. So I keep waiting until I have my, my perfect ending. Well, we look forward that uh, and finally Jenna whenever we have a guest on the podcast we always ask them at the end of the interview to share with us their favorite soundtrack and if they were to introduce it oh yeah okay so my very very favorite song of hers is all by myself but that's too common everybody's got to say that I would assume because it's just a huge you know it's a ridiculous vocal it's wild um, so I'm not going to say that one I'm going to tell you my other So I've got two other favorites that are sort of tied. Um, I'm going to go with To Love You More. Um, That's probably my other favorite. I love the violin. I love the interaction that she has with the violin where it feels like a conversation um, between between the vocal and the violin. And yeah, Yeah. that's my other other second favorite. And and I actually love Courage, um, which is a completely different, uh, you know, feel. That's not a big a big number uh, it's a much more understated number but i just love it it's something that i feel and i use it as my own personal anthem sometimes too yeah it's a beautiful song it really is it kind of summed yeah. up what she'd been through yeah jenna i'm going to play both of those songs because nice. it's been absolutely fantastic <laughs> to have you on the show uh, thank you so much for agreeing to come on i really do appreciate it and I thank know you. everyone listening will find this so, so interesting. Thank you. Jenny Glatzer, thank you very much. Thank you. I will be like I said I'm I think of you at least a hundred times. Because in the air of my voice I hear you just like you've been. I'll still come home from a long day. Much to talk about, so much to say. I love to think that we're still drinking mess in conversations that I know. In conversations that I know. don't you dare forget me.
Listening to the Celine Dion podcast. Hi, this is Celine Dion. It's all, coming back to me now. all the news, all the interviews, and all the best music. Courage live in Miami on the 17th of January last year. One of Jenna Glatzer's favourite Celine Dion songs. And wow, what a brilliant chat that was with Jenna. I hope you enjoyed hearing all about. Uh, Jenna's time working with Celine putting together the book Celine Dion for Keeps and if you have somehow missed that book maybe you've just become a Celine Dion fan recently I do highly recommend you go and get a copy of it it's the it's the definitive Celine Dion biography so far and wouldn't it be great to get a sequel will for Keeps to happen it does sound like that Jenna and Celine have been discussing the idea so fingers crossed that one day soon we will get a follow up but in the meantime, go and check out Celine Dion for Keeps if you haven't got it already. And once again, a huge thank you to Jenna Glatzer for joining me on the podcast. 
Okay, let's bring you up to date then on some news. Sad news to begin with, on the 19th of April, Jim Steinman sadly passed away. Uh, on the 21st of April, Celine posted this tribute across her social media channel. She said, I'm so sorry to hear about the passing of Jim Steinman. He was a musical genius, an amazing producer and songwriter, and having the opportunity to work with him was one of the greatest privileges of my career. My thoughts and prayers go out to his family and friends. The sad passing of Jim Steinman, who died on the April the 19th. Also sad news then, on the 6th of May, Celine posted a video again to her social media confirming further tour postponements for several European dates that have been moved from 2021 through to 2023. Let's hear what she had to say. Hi everyone. Well, I hope you're doing well and staying safe in these difficult times. You know, I was really looking forward to seeing you in Europe this summer, but unfortunately, because of the situation in our world, things just keep getting pushed back. But please, don't despair. We feel really good about doing the shows in 2023. I can't wait to finally see you guys. Until then, be safe, be well. 2023, here we come. Celine then confirming, I think, the inevitable news that further shows were going to be rescheduled. The shows she were talking about are as follows. The show in Tel Aviv, Israel, uh, that will now be on May the 31st, 2023. Nicosia has been moved to June the 3rd, 2023. Attard, June the 6th. Athens, June the 9th. Bucharest, June the 11th. Carhe, June the 13th, Luca on July the 15th, and Neon finally on July the 17th, 2023. Of course, full information as always available on CelineDion.com. A significant milestone over on YouTube then for Celine's Ashes video this month. It became the third Celine Dion music video to hit 100 million views over on YouTube. 100 million views for Ashes. A great success and I'm sure you'll agree. It's a brilliant video. Celine looks great. Of course, the interaction with Deadpool himself, Ryan Reynolds, is brilliant as well. And well, I don't know about you guys, but it makes me want to hear the song again. So let's go back to Los Angeles as Celine announced the Courage World Tour back in 2019. This is a live performance of Ashes. What's left to say? This person working anymore Every word shot down in flesh What's left to do with these broken pieces on the floor I'm losing my voice calling on you I've been shaking, I've been bending backwards till I'm broke. Watching all these dreams go up in smoke. Let beauty come out of ashes. Let 
This is the Celine Dion Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email Celine Dion Podcast at gmail.com. The brilliant Ashes performed live there in Los Angeles back in 2019 as Celine launched the Courage World Tour. She made the announcement that she was going out on tour. Who would have thought then that it would take her almost four years as things stand to complete the tour of course like we've just confirmed 2023 now for some shows in the courage world tour crazy okay so let's bring you up to date on some more news then on the 22nd of april on social media celine confirmed that she was featuring in an advert for the brand new resorts world in las vegas we featured photos of this across our social media on twitter instagram and facebook and celine looks absolutely amazing in this advert be sure to check it out if you haven't already done so on her social media channel celine says she had so much fun filming this resorts world las vegas commercial this amazing new Las Vegas resort is opening on June the 24th. Now, what does this mean? Of course, rumours are rife across Celine's fan sites that this means she is returning to Las Vegas for a residency. We have to say it does look pretty likely, of course, but as things stand, nothing has been officially announced. Does the news of the Courage World Tour being extended affect potential plans to go back to Las Vegas? Had they taken that into account? Or are Resorts World quite simply using Celine in their adverts because Celine is known as, you know, a Las Vegas entertainer? We think she will be back in Las Vegas. We think an announcement is imminent, but until it's official, nothing is confirmed. Watch this space, but do be sure to check out that commercial for Resorts World if you haven't seen it already. Also happening this month, uploaded onto Celine's official YouTube channel then, we had the Spanish version of All By Myself. Uh, They've used kind of old concert footage and uh, put the song over the top of it. Very interesting. See if you haven't seen that before, check it out. The Spanish video uh, version of All By Myself. And also last month, they uploaded a behind-the-scenes look at the making of the It's All Coming Back To Me Now music video as Celine's official YouTube channel continues to celebrate the 
25th anniversary of the brilliant album. Of course, we focused on that on last month's podcast show. So if you haven't heard that yet, do be sure to go and check out last month's uh, podcast. Finally then for the moment, on the 8th of May, Celine was honoured with a doctorate from Berklee College of Music. Now we shared that this was going to happen a few months back, but now it has happened. She recorded a video message for the students who were graduating, and this is what she had to say. Good morning, everyone, and congratulations, Berklee College of Music, graduating class of 2021. Well... I really wish we could all be together to share in your joy and celebration. We're not quite there yet, and it's been difficult for everyone. But hopefully, in the months ahead, our world will finally return to some kind of new normal. In any case, I want you to know that I'm very happy for all of you on this special occasion. You've all worked so very hard to get to this day, and you've accomplished so much. And in graduating, You've earned the recognition from the finest music institution in the world. Bravo to all of you. And thank you so much for the beautiful musical tribute. Do you know that so many talented Berkeley students joined together from all over the world to perform my songs? Touches my soul. You guys are amazing. And you're definitely ready, willing, and able. And I have to tell you that I'm deeply honored to be receiving this prestigious recognition. I honestly don't believe I'm worthy of this. It's not something I dreamed or wished for. But having said this, to be included alongside so many incredibly talented artists to have received honorary doctorates from Berkeley over the years. I'm truly humbled. Thank you so, so much. You know, music has been my life. It started when I was just a little girl. I was the youngest of 14 children. My parents didn't have money, but that didn't matter. We had the essentials. We had love. We had affection. And we had music. My mom, my dad, and all my brothers and sisters sang or played instruments. And being the youngest of the 14 kids, I got to listen to all kinds of music styles. Pop, country, folk, rock, you name it. We were singing it or playing it. It gave us so much joy. And to this day, when I hear a passionate vocal, a dynamic horn section, or a dramatic string arrangement, I get the same feeling. Music vibrates deep into our very core, and it's a way that we can express ourselves like no other way. It's a unique language that has no barriers, and you're never really alone when you have music in your life. It's a constant companion, and it will live on forever. In fact, when we're all gone, we hope many, many, many years from now, the music we create will still be around to speak on our behalf. And you've heard this many times before, but it's worth repeating. It's not about the destination. It's really about the journey. 
So no matter where this takes you, enjoy the journey. Enjoy every single note. And if you put every ounce of your heart and soul into your music, it will set you free. And I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. Berklee College of Music, I'm forever grateful for the honor you've bestowed upon me. And class of 2021, go out there and express yourself with the confidence and enthusiasm of champions. Give it everything you've got. Let the world hear you. I'm rooting for you. Goodbye, everyone. Take care. Stay safe. And thank you again. Celine there on receiving her honorary doctorate from the Berkeley College of Music. A brilliant speech, don't you think? And she looked amazing as well. Be sure to check out that video on YouTube. You may have heard during the speech there, Celine said thank you to the students for um, their wonderful interpretations of some of her songs. And it is really, really good. Again, search for Berkeley College of Music 2021 graduation on YouTube. I'm sure you'll be sure to find this. But here's just a flavour of some of the students performing Celine's songs. It's really, really good. There were nights when the wind was so cold And my body froze in bed if I just listened to it right outside the window There were days when the sun was so cruel That all the tears turned to dust And I just knew my eyes were drying up forever This world of madness 
the brilliant students of the Berklee College of Music as they were performing some of Celine's songs during the graduation ceremony. And before that, you heard Celine's acceptance speech as she was honoured with an honorary doctorate from the college. Brilliant stuff. Be sure to check that out over on YouTube. There's so much more to that. I particularly love that version of Courage, though. Absolutely beautiful. Okay then, that will just about wrap it up then for another month here on the Celine Dion podcast. I really do hope you've enjoyed the show. A huge thanks once again to Jenna Glatzer for joining us on the show. It was brilliant to speak with her and I really do hope you enjoyed that interview and let's all keep our fingers crossed for a four keeps two wouldn't that be amazing we also brought you news of course on the latest postponements to the Courage World Tour that brilliant achievement for Ashes hitting 100 million views over on YouTube the news, the intriguing news that Selena is featuring in this advert for Resorts World in Las Vegas more to follow? I think so Of course, don't forget about the updates on Celine's official YouTube channel, the Spanish version of All By Myself, and a behind-the-scenes look at It's All Coming Back To Me Now music video. Of course, sad passing of Jim Steinman this month. Very, very sad news. And just one final bit to bring you before we leave you this month. Celine is featured, or well, Celine's song, It's All Coming Back to Me Now, is featured on a chewing gum advert here in the UK at the moment. An advert for extra chewing gum. And it's actually uh, been so successful, it's got the song back into the charts. That's right, Celine's song, It's All Coming Back to Me Now, re-entered the UK sales and downloads chart uh, this week. Uh, This is uh, the 8th of May, the 9th of May at the time of recording. Uh, So it just shows you the power of advertising, doesn't it? Uh, Her song featured in the extra chewing gum advert and it got back into the charts a few days later. Again, you'll be able to find that advert over on YouTube if you search for extra chewing gum. Once again then, a huge thank you for listening to the Celine Dion podcast. If you would like to come on to the show or if you've got a request for a song as we are going to leave you with a request this month, get in touch. Join us over on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And of course, you can always email us as well, Celine Dion Podcast at gmail.com. And that is exactly what Gillian Luna did this month. She got in touch requesting this brilliant cover uh, that Celine performed way back in the 80s. It's Wind Beneath My Wings. And honestly, if you haven't heard this before, you're in for a treat. It's a spectacular performance of the song. And that is how we're going to leave you this month. I've been Sean. This has been the Celine Dion Podcast. Until next time, do take care. Bye-bye. I know you.
world's only podcast show dedicated to the best-selling female artist of all time. It's the Celine Dion Podcast.